0: You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you're seated. Open your Bible at Matthew chapter 6. So I'm going to take Pastor Sam's notes and just fill in under all his headlines. Because he, that was a good message. What he packed into those five minutes, you can do a six week series on that. Amen. So I'm just going to kick it off and then we see where he takes it from there. We have a powerful word from God for this year. And the one thing that keeps ringing through in my heart, I heard it as we were leading up. You probably picked it up in my messages before New Year's Eve and then it became very clear, is that we want to make sure that whatever we do as children of God, that we never turn it into religious ritual. It never becomes about what we can get out of it. It never becomes about it being an idol. It never becomes about the stuff. We want to make sure that no matter what happens, even like Job said, when he had lost everything and his wife was saying, Well, in that case, give up on God, just, just reject him and die. Because where is he now? He's supposed to have protected you. And he said, even if the Lord slays me, I will still serve him. That shows a heart that says, it's not, I'm not here for the stuff. I'm not here for the people. I'm not here for the music. I'm not here for the comfortable chairs. I'm not here. For whatever reason, people decide to join a church. I want that to become, because when we babies, haven't you noticed, babies, they just want everything for them. When they sleep, when they wake up, when they're hungry, when they need, when they want, Isn't that right? But we want to mature into Christians that we recognize we are here first for our God and His kingdom. That even if it costs me everything, I will still serve Him. And if I can qualify that in my heart, that's when we open ourselves to actually getting into a place where you're never going to need or want. Literally, the way I see it is... You, you you almost there. What, what do you ask for now? Because God's already provided it all. He's already supplied it all. I don't have to worry about those things because I've placed my priorities accurately. And here we see once again in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, Jesus said, Do not worry by saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? Isn't that interesting? When problems show up, that's what the enemy always focuses on. He always wants to point out what you don't have. When something breaks, where was your God? Never mind that he kept you safe and looked after you in every other area, but yeah, and the enemy wants us to focus on what's broken, what you don't have, what the neighbor has, what you, you he got promoted before me. And, and what, what, what are we going to eat tomorrow? What are we going to wear tomorrow? And Jesus says, these are the things that the world, the Gentiles, Gentiles speaks of people without a covenant. Those that don't understand their covenant with God, they continuously chasing stuff. Got to get a bigger house, got to get a bigger car, got to get a bigger, got to get a bigger, got to get more, got to get, got to get, got to get, got to get. And if we land up focusing on the got to get and all that we're looking for, says so that's what makes you different from the world. That's exactly what drives the world. What gets people up in the morning into a workplace? Oh, I'm going to pay the bond. You know, that's why I ask people if if you suddenly everything was cleared, you got your house for free, you're never gonna run out of food, and someone always provides them. What are you gonna do? Most people will end up being lazy, sit at home and watch more Netflix. There's so much on Netflix, we've got to get a, Well now, at least someone's paying for you. Now you now you can go and catch up. You see, if there's no purpose, if you don't understand what life is about. It becomes pursue, pursue, pursue. So everybody, Monday morning, I like I've asked before, how many of you just are so excited? You, you actually can't wait for the Sunday to get past because Monday's coming and I can't wait for that alarm to go because I've got to get out there. Now, now, most people usually laugh at that, but if you have purpose, you understand that you, you, you actually struggle to sleep at night because I've got to sleep for rest and health and I'm going to put that aside because when I get up, there's stuff to do. And he says, yeah, the the whole world is about getting out there, getting more, doing, just to try and take care of the basic needs of life. And Jesus says, your heavenly Father knows you need these things. He knows you need them. So he's not the one withholding it. He's a loving Father. Come on, loving parents, look after this. If your child has a real need, I'm not talking about some brat that wants something that they, you know, that after they've got everything, they still want more. I'm not talking about that. Just the basic needs. He's talking about, you know, if your child, you can tell when it's, when it's tired, you want it to go to bed. Isn't that right? If you see it's hungry, you want to feed it. If it's hurting, you want to heal it. And how much more our heavenly Father, how much more our heavenly Father who loves us He knows we need these things. And so Jesus says in verse 33, but seek first. Seek. Seek. That's priority. It's not just seek the kingdom of God. There are other things you will seek. You are going to need, even in your vision with God, it's like we do need a bigger building. So I'm pursuing that by faith. So, but that, if you make the priority, the kingdom, and it's not about the building. We're not just yet yeah, to build a nice building. Because if it becomes about the building, that's an idol. Are you with me? You, in your even if in your secular environment, if you need a house to stay in, family's grown, you've run out of bedrooms, run out of bathrooms, you need a bigger house. Are you with me? So, you are permitted to seek that by faith. But that mustn't become the priority. He's saying the priority is seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And what will happen? All these things that you're thinking about will be added to you. You will look back and say, how did that even happen? While I was so busy with the kingdom, uh, everything took, took care. Are you with me? Everything was paid for. Everything was looked after. No matter how much, have you noticed, Doesn't no matter how much you worry over an account, it doesn't land up getting paid. You can stay up all night, put your best worry in. You don't wake up the next morning and say, look, we know you worried last night. We're canceling the account. That has never happened. Come on, have you noticed that has never happened? So why waste energy in that? Whereas what I have seen is when you're focusing on the kingdom and making him your priority, you will land up looking back and say, how was that paid? I, I, I know there wasn't enough money in the budget, but we made it. Now you can testify to that. You've seen that happen. So he's saying if you focus on the kingdom of God, make his kingdom, his priority, your priority, his way of doing it, his right way of living... So Jesus says, verse 34: Therefore, do not worry. Now, do not. Sounds pretty emphatic. It doesn't say, "Come, guys, don't worry. Try, try not to worry. Come on, hold, hold tight. You don't have to worry. Is that what he's saying? That comes out like an instruction. Do not worry. Do not worry. Bump your name and say, the Savior has spoken. Our Lord has told us. From this day on, I choose to obey Him. And worry is in my past. I'm not worrying anymore. I'm not worrying anymore. Some people interpret worry as a way of showing that you care. You know, I, I, I really... I, I worry about my children. Now, I'm supposed to think, well, then you must be a good parent. No, the Bible says, even roll all your care onto him, for he cares for you. He cares. The caring is his job. Amen? So someone comes along and says, did you hear your children, and it's something that's bad? I say, I don't care. What? I can't tell you how much I don't care. Because I'm rolling the care onto Him. Amen? Amen? Something goes wrong, we owe money, whatever. I don't care. Now, I'm not saying I'm not taking responsibility. See, that's where we... No, the worry of it, the, the, the anxiousness of it, that I'm rolling onto the Lord. Because He cares for me. Amen? Amen? So do not worry. What's my focus? He says, tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient... For the day is its own trouble. So we recognize, we've already did a study on it, that your day may have situations where you're going to find tribulation, persecution, things are going to go wrong, but we put that in perspective. If you weren't here for the last two weeks, I encourage you to get the messages on the podcast, but we spoke about how Jesus never promised us a life without suffering. There was going to, he said, there's the suffering of the cross. He suffered on the cross, but then there's the suffering to uphold against what the enemy's trying to steal from us. So whatever the enemy tries to bring against us, he's going to use tribulation, persecution, cares of this world, lust for other things, the deceitfulness of riches, all these things, all these troubles and worries are part of it. And But we recognize in staying focused, we're able to walk strong and grow stronger. It develops our character within us. It develops that long suffering. It develops that faithfulness. And then you'll find that your faith goes to a far greater level. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So even though we know there's going to be trouble today, I'm still going to remember I'm not focusing on the trouble. The trouble is... Because that's what the enemy does. He tries to use the trouble to get your mind off this thing and back onto how we're going to solve this. But he says, if I make the kingdom of God the priority, make the kingdom of God. Everybody say, seek first the kingdom of God. The Amplified puts it this way. But seek, aim at, and strive after. That doesn't sound like casually sitting. There's some effort put in you. Seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness. That's his way of doing and being right. Then all these things taken together will be given you besides. We saw from the Message Bible, verse 33, where it says, Don't worry about missing out. Because that's what it is. We, we say, okay, that, in that case, I'm gonna focus on the kingdom. That's me. I'm, I'm just gonna keep in my lane, do what God's called me to do. I'm not, I'm not gonna look over there. I'm not gonna look over here. I, if he's told me this is where I belong, this is what he's called me to do, that's what I'm gonna focus on. Next moment, yeah somebody's promoted. Hang on, what did they do? Oh, I see, they're doing something different. Oh, m- maybe I'll, because I don't wanna miss out. But what's Jesus saying? He says, you're not going to miss out. Because you don't need what they need. I said, you don't need what they need. Evidently, they needed it now. God, for some reason, thinks you don't need it right now. Yeah, but I do. No, that's your thought. That's your thought. I have to trust Him. I have to trust His process. Come on. And, and family, here's something. I don't get me too sidetracked now because I've got to go with what... But here's the thing. What I have noticed is it's not all about you. It's not all about me. Sometimes I'm standing in faith for something and I needed it yesterday. How have you ever been there? Only one person willing to... No, three, four, five more. And it's like when God comes through. and I say, well, you know, thank you very much. You know, <laughs> yesterday would have been much nicer. And then... It's not only one part of my development, but what I have learned, I've stopped saying that. I've stopped thinking that way because I've understood it's not just about me. Sometimes things like, for example, when we stood in faith for this building, there was a long process we went through. It looked like it was even slipping away, but I stayed consistent. It was for development in other people. Sometimes the very person that's been identified by God To bring something to pass in your life, they need to grow. So God puts you on hold for their development to take place. And if you can understand that and say it's not about me, it's about His kingdom, every child in the kingdom, that I'm going to allow them to grow and mature even at my cost because I'm prepared to lay down everything. If I truly believe that, if I'm the mature Christian, I lay down everything and I allow that development to take place. And a lot of it I don't even know. It's all happening behind the scenes. But I've learned to trust my Father that if He knows I need something, when it's absolutely necessary, necessity, necess, necessary for me, when it's necessary for me to have it, it will be there. And in that, Understanding. I've always noticed that when it does happen and I look back, I actually say, That was the right time. Come on, how have you ever had that happen in your life? So, Luke chapter 14, verse 16 Jesus said, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Now, how many of you can read between the lines he's talking about himself? And he sent his servant at supper, time, to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground and I must go see it. i ask you to have me excused. Wow. Yes, Jesus calling you to His banquet, come and sit at the table of the Master, but I've just bought some property. I've got this development happening. I've got to go build a house. He wants to go look at the property. Now I ask myself, can that not be done tomorrow? You see, sometimes our possessions can start to become more important. I've seen it happen so many times. People come in broken, busted, and disgusted, hear the word of faith, start putting it into action, start trusting the Lord, putting everything into the process, and God blesses them, and all of a sudden, the bills are paid Now they have the the property, now they have the house, now they have the car, the four by four and the motorboat and now all of a sudden they need to go skiing every Sunday. Hang on, what happened? The very thing God gave you has now become the priority and they shifted priority and we're going to make sure that our possessions don't take the place of God. Never get to the place where what God has blessed you with becomes the focus. See other people getting houses, other people getting cars, properties, whatever. That's not what the gospel is about. Those are part of what God will do. He knows what you need. You need a house. You need a car. He will make sure you get that. And there's nothing wrong with having the best. But that must never be our focus. And so they have this excuse. We've got all these other things we need to attend to. Another said... Verse 19, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. i ask you to have me excused. What's that talking about? That's business. I've just got this new warehouse. I need to go test all my machines. I've got this business. Used to work Monday to Friday, came to church on Sunday. Now I've got this business that's taking up all my time. I've got these branches in all these different towns And I'm going to go visit them. I don't have time anymore. I I, I love God. I'll watch online. Hallelujah. Now, let me just address that. Online is a wonderful tool. We use it so that we can reach, number one, our campuses. That's the primary reason. Number two, there are people in towns far enough that they don't have time to drive and get to a campus. And so they've joined us online. Other than that, if you're in driving distance, you need to be here. Because I know, I've sought even during lockdown, there's a challenge where if you're here, you're sitting, you're focused, you're addressing the situation, you're recognizing, I'm listening to the word. But if you want to be honest with me, when we were in lockdown, you did not sit in front of that TV from the time the praise and worship started to the time it closed. Now, I'm not saying all of you, I know some of you did. I know many of you did. I know most of you did. It's just that one. You know. <laughs> what am I saying? Is that if I use my business as my excuse, I just can't put enough into the kingdom of God anymore. That's what he's saying here. I first have to attend to my business. So, first of all, Property, goods, your stuff you own. Secondly, your business. Third, still another said, I've married a wife. Therefore, I cannot come. He doesn't even ask to be excused. (laughs) He just says, I've got a wife, I can't come. (laughs) Family. 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 I've watched people, they get saved, born again, they're in, they're committed, they're serving, they're in place, whatever the Lord's called them to do, they're serving in the house in the various roles, and they come morning, Sunday morning, Sunday night, they're in home cell, doing whatever's necessary. All of a sudden, I notice they're not missing. Like, for example, Sunday night, they may not be here. Now, we and then I find out, what happened? What's happened? No, no, that's family time. This is the family. Yeah. I said, this is the family. Now, you keep reading, you'll see that Jesus actually gets to a point where he says, and he uses pretty harsh words, he says, if you don't hate your father or mother, you cannot be my disciple. Now, you know he's not going to contradict his word, because he says, honor your father and mother. But what he's saying is that sometimes family can get to a place where they start calling us away. It's like, you know, an unsaved family member. Will wonder why you don't spend enough time with them. And all you got is a Sunday. You should be spending time with me. But Janina, when we first got saved, we let all the family know. We would be out and we'd come to a time, Sunday afternoon, we'd be at a bride, for example, a barbecue, having fun with our family. But at a certain time we said, That's it, we're going. They said, God, you miss one Sunday. No, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. My children were raised that way. Every time the household met, we came together. And so Jesus is saying, these are the three things that can distract us, is our goods, our pro- property, and our businesses, and this commitment to family. Now, he says that we must commit to our family. You honor your father and mother. You need to look after your household. You need to be a good father and mother. All these instructions are in place. But it comes when you're seeking first the kingdom of God his priorities, then all these other things will come into place. Hallelujah. You do it God's way, nothing else will get neglected. And so, verse 21, that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, you notice Jesus got angry at that? He says, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. Bring in here the poor and the maimed, the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and there's still room. There's always room at the table for one more. Verse 23, the master said to the servant, go out into the highways, the hedges, and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Compel them to come in. Compel them. Now you do, go look up the Greek word used for compel there. The one aspect is strongly encourage. The next line says, using force. I would put it this way. Use every force available, short of violence. Making sure... What he's saying is, I want every I want my house full. This is not a case of just sitting back and saying, Well, case there are, are. Whatever will be, will be. No, it is our will and purpose to do what the master's calling for. He wants his house full. And if that's his priority, it becomes my priority. It's not about just having the place full so we got some badge to wear. It's not just having the place full so that we can brag to our friends. No, it's that everybody that needs to hear the gospel is brought into a place where they can be fed the Word of God at the precious feast of our God. He's calling the world to a feast at His table. He's calling for the hurting, the broken, the lame, the blind, We need to reach out to everybody possible. Come on, say amen. Amen. Notice Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, family, that that sounds like a great meeting. That, that, That sounds like revival. I mean, Jesus' teaching... You know people were hooked into that. They want to hear every word he spoke. And then all kinds of miracles were happening, healing and deliverance. You would say, now that is, that, that's first prize, man. That, that, if, if we had a meeting like that, where, you know, the Word of God is taught well and we see signs and wonders and people being delivered and healed, you say, man, that was a blowout meeting. That was phenomenal. The Holy Spirit moved. But look at the next verse. But... Now, if you haven't been here before, you know I've already spoken about how "but" silences what's just been said. Come on, have you ever had somebody come to you and they say, hey, "You know, I love you. You're a great person. I really, I do appreciate you." You're already waiting, aren't you? Because you know there's a "but" that what they just said. What? But what? Isn't that right? But just stops. What's just been said? Yes, yes. Great signs, wonders, miracles, awesome teaching. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. You know what this tells me? You don't build a church on signs and wonders. You could have prophecy in every meeting. I could prophesy over people in every Sunday, but what happens on the Sunday I don't prophesy? Will you come back? You see, that, that, that's the problem. You build a church on the movement and the signs and wonders. We, we used to have it. When we first planted the church, Sunday nights, man, people were falling without me even praying for them. I'd just walk towards them, and they'd fall over in banks. Massive moves of the Holy Spirit. But then the next Sunday... It didn't happen. Some people say, well, you know, where was God now? No, he's in his word. I said he's in his word. He is the word. And so we not going to build a church on the signs. It's wonderful when signs and wonders happen. I love it when God heals. That's His desire to heal people. It's His delight, desire to set people free. It's His desire for us to see. He follows His Word with signs and wonders to confirm the Word. But His foundation is not about the, the healings and the deliverances. That will happen. His foundation is the people that are scattered, people that are hurting, people that don't have a shepherd, they don't have that loving, surrounding commitment to keep them looked after and fed and and protected. Verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is is plentiful. I said, the harvest is plentiful. I said, the harvest is plentiful. Now, I have no problem with people that fast or pray for revival. But this tells me we don't beg for revival. It's not God standing back saying, I'd love to move, but you haven't fasted enough. I'd love to move, but you haven't prayed enough. This is Jesus saying, the harvest is ready. Lord, send revival, send revival. Jesus is going, they're waiting for you. You and your church house calling for revival. You think they're all going to come? Notice he said, I called you to be fishers of men, not keepers of the aquarium. As, as long as we, yeah, let's just ask for no more and Lord, if you want to send others, send them. No, he told us to go out, go out. He says, the laborers of you, Therefore, pray the Lord of a harvest for revival. No? What does it say? Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. God is looking for people that are committed to his call. He's not looking for the next big move or the next big mass meeting. And as I said, there's nothing wrong with that. If, some, if someone gets saved in a mass revival, praise Jesus. As long as they are brought into the house of God and are discipled, they need a shepherd, not just a prayer on a field. Can I get a bigger amen? How's that gonna happen? There's not enough pastors to get out into the fields. He says, pray the laborers, laborers, laborers. Every one of us are laborers. I said, every one of us are laborers. Lift your hand and say, I am a laborer for his harvest. His harvest, not my harvest. His harvest. I'm believing for my harvest. Why don't you believe for his harvest? Your harvest, he said, will happen. It'll be taken care of. Don't let your amens get quieter now. Remember our vision for this household, the planting vision, Ephesians four verse eleven. God Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what reason? For the equipping of that's you, the believers, for the work of ministry. Every one of us have a work of ministry, not just the pastor. Everyone have us have a work of ministry. And what's the reason? For the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ, that we all come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we no longer children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love. We grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ. Family, I noticed when people start bickering about doctrine, they lose focus and vision for why we're here in the first place. We all need to study the Word of God to show ourselves approved. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. You cannot have faith without knowing the will of God. That's the purpose for studying, not for division, not for arguing. Notice he said, till we come to the unity of faith. He did not say uniformity. There's a unity of faith. You and I are going to see some things differently. I may say, I believe this is what the word's saying. Someone else says, I don't see it that way. That's great. Do you love Jesus? Are you winning souls? Are you preaching His kingdom? Are you making His kingdom your priority? Are you building His church? Yes, we are brothers together. We may not do things the same way. We may sing different songs. We may stand up when you're sitting. We may be meeting on this day. You meet on that day. But at the end of the day, is Jesus Lord? Is He your God? Is He your Saviour? And if you say yes, then I'm a brother. I don't care what else anyone else says. Can I get a bigger amen? See, when you are busy with the kingdom of God, your priority is winning people to Jesus. Not about proving you right. It's winning people to Jesus. And if you're winning people to Jesus, you're too busy rowing the boat, you don't have time to rock it. I'm looking for boat rowers, not boat rockers laborers that are committed to His kingdom. Do I have such a people in this house? In our campuses, are you there? Say amen. Did you hear them? Man, they loud in those campuses. Now verse 16, watch this. The whole body joined in knit together, by which every joint supplies, according to the effect of working, by which every part does its share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Every part of your body contributing. How many of you might do some kind of sport or whatever? You don't even have to do it really, I suppose, but it does affect you more if you are doing something and, and you happen to bang a toe or something or bang a knee or bang something and that just that one part hurts. The rest of you can't do anything. Have you noticed? Like, you, there's some hurt that can really happen, bad, that you I mean that just puts you out, out of action because this one part's hurting. Well, if we as the church are going to fulfill what Jesus has called us to do, and there's a work to be done, I don't want any part sitting out. I don't want any part hurt. We should be working together, working in unity. That means we focused on one vision has to lead people to Jesus. And as long as we're doing that, we're all doing our part. And your part may be different. You may not be able to stand up in a pulpit and preach the word and have an altar call. You may even feel uncomfortable sitting with someone and talking to them about the word because I don't know enough about it. But you can give them your testimony. You can serve in the household of God. There are people that when they leave their motor car and they're walking in, before they hear me even speak... They've had the person waving the sign, someone meet them at the door, someone on the way to the chair, somebody says something to them, someone looks at them some way, something happens with the sound, the lights, everything, then the praise and worship, and then the offering, and then the announcements, all of that. By the time they see me, if, if, if along that way, anybody there has got a bad attitude, they hurt, they, blah, 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 and now they, think, I'm never coming back here again, they haven't even heard me speak. Are you with me? So it's not even about how well I can speak to lead someone to Jesus. The person waving the sign is part of seeking first the kingdom of God. When someone comes in, man, I've had a hard day, but yet someone's smiling at me. I I mean, these people, I mean, they may be somewhere over the top like, woo, but at least I'm feeling some kind of joy. Amen, I walk in and you welcome, you home, come on in. This is a household of faith. Let me show you where your chair is and you're blessed and everybody you see, you shake hands with, you smile at each other. I don't care if you had a bad week, put it away because in this house, love is king and we're going to support each other. We're going to be there for each other. We're going to help each other. If I see you struggling, I want to know what it is. I want to pray with you. And by the time I get to speak, people should say, I'm done. I've had church. This has been awesome. Oh, he's also going to speak. Well, let's do that. Because the whole household's working together. And even the people serving the children's church behind the scenes up there, you don't even know who's driving these things happen, that has happened. But all of that is part of seeking first the kingdom. They're all doing their share that makes this all work. Hallelujah. The most important commandment Jesus ever gave us, Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came to them and spoke, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, not sit and absorb. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What must we do? Teach them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Family, you get involved in Jesus' priorities, He's always with you. God, where are you? Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Because if I am, you'll be so aware of His presence. If you are making the kingdom of God your priority. As we do that, you'll be recognized that God's always with you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. Whatever you need to fulfill that call will always be there. Janine and I have seen it over 30 years. We've never lacked for anything. We've got big dreams that we're still waiting to see happen. and We'll never let go of those dreams. We'll keep standing in faith for them. But one thing I have noticed is God has never fallen short while we're making His kingdom our priority. As long as we're reaching souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ, He will always look after you. Hallelujah. That's not even your concern. Make disciples. Make disciples. That's every one of us. We are being equipped to make disciples. Say that I am being equipped to make disciples. If I stop you, any one of us, I need to be able to stop you anywhere, anytime and say, who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? And I'm not just talking about your home cell. Who are you specifically spending time with? Who are you helping in their walk with Jesus? And if someone says, I don't know, then I'm going to ask, who's discipling you? Because then I need to talk to them as well. So you should know who's discipling you. And it's not just me from the platform. This is a form of discipleship. But who's discipling you? Who's personally speaking into your life? And who are you discipling? Make disciples. Now, that's a command, isn't it? 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. This is the love of God. How many of you love God? Can I see your hand? All right. Now, that was a loaded question because the next statement is keep his commandments. Keep his commandments. And the most important commandment is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind. And in that love, you fulfill this commandment of making disciples because that is the root one that teaches all else that I've commanded you. So it's not just about you keeping the commandments. It's about you teaching others how to walk that way. And then that's where he says, For whatever's born of God overcomes this world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Say this when I'm fulfilling the commandment of Jesus, I will notice that I've overcome the world. See, when I'm getting down and despondent and broken and wondering what's happening, a devil's is just taking me, I can't handle this anyway. how much more must I take? I have to ask myself, are you still seeking the kingdom of God? Who was the last person you led to Jesus? Who was the last person I prayed for? Who was the last person I sat down with and spoke about the word of God? About life. In the kingdom of God. Because if that's my focus, I put it to you, family. I, uh, I put this out by my own experience. I put this out by the experience of others I know. And I put it out by the foundation of the word of God. I don't, haven't done a wide enough survey to say it's 100% correct. So you can take it for what it is. But I personally believe that if I'm focused on exactly what I've been talking today, is making the kingdom of God priority, Making people priority, making not just people to hang out and have coffee with, but focusing on discipling the Word of God, encouraging, listening, praying in the morning, listening for the Word that I need to give that day to somebody. Let Him guide me. i personally put it to you. If you're doing that, you'll never be depressed again. What's there to be depressed about? Yeah, but this person. No, 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 no. You here for them? I said, you here for them? Yeah, but what about this and what about that? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be added when, when, when the Lord is ready. Hallelujah! I know you all want a microwave message where I just you know put it in and clink, and then it'll come through tomorrow. Whoever taught you that misread? Are you listening? That that is not what the word teaches. I have seen suddenlies. I like suddenlies. I do. I'm, I'll admit to you. I, when I hear a suddenly message, I'll be the first to shout "Amen." But I do know this. I also understand seeking God's kingdom. In other words, if nothing ever happened again, if you never got another miracle, you never saw another blessing manifesting as a promotion or increase, you never got, all you had was your house, your car, drink and eat and sleep, and, and you know, just if nothing ever happened again, no what, no if had Paul on the ground, no nothing, nothing, would you still go out and tell people how good God is and His kingdom comes first? I want you to know God loves you. God loves you. Testimonies are wonderful. They, they're part of reinforcing what you believe. But Is that my priority or is the priority his kingdom? Come on, can I get a bigger amen? Look at Acts chapter 20. This is Paul, verse 22. See now, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit tells me in every city, That chains and tribulations await me. (laughs) That's nice. God says, I want you to go preach the gospel. But listen, you're going to be arrested and there's a lot of trouble coming. It's not like, go there and I'll give you another house. He says, I'm sending you, but I want to let you know you are walking straight into trouble. How many of you want to call like that? Tell Janine and me, I want you to go plant a church in Cape Town, but I'm telling you, you're going to be suffering down there. Well, that's what he's hearing. But none of these things move me. I do not count my life dear to myself that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. What's he saying? It's not about me. There are people in that town that need to know about Jesus and if I've got to suffer to get them to heaven, I'm going. Come on, how are you willing to lay down your life that way? See, in this 21st century way of life, a—you know we think suffering means we don't have air conditioning today. No, family. These people preach the gospel at the threat of being executed. And Paul said, that won't stop me. Come on, are you getting this? So he addresses his disciple in 2 Timothy, Verse 4 The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. So, everybody wants a whoop whoop message. Just give me 15 minutes of rah rah rah, go for it. Jesus loves you, go. <laughs> but now you get down to the grass roots and start talking about the commitment of what it's going to take to serve Jesus. No, 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 we're not interested. But According to their own desires, they have itching ears and they will find the teacher that takes care of that itching ear. Family, if all you ever get walking out here is hallelujah. Now, you know I love hallelujahs, and I'm here to bless you. God loves you. He's got a lot in store for you. He's got great plans for you. Those are all yes and amen. But if I walk out and no one ever stopped me somewhere, checked me on something, said, this needs to be corrected in your life, then I'm in the wrong church. Because I don't just want to get to Jesus one day, and he says, did you? keep my commandments. Yeah, I went to church every Sunday, hallelujah. No, did you make disciples? How not you glad you're in the house of God today? I know sometimes these messages aren't comfortable, but they are necessary. Say amen. In verse 4, they'll turn their ears away from the truth and they turn aside to fables. But you, but you, you know what I'm waiting for? But you all the way to the back row. But you in our campuses. I didn't hear you this time. But you watch be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. My job as your pastor is to equip you to do your ministry. That means there are some things you're going to need to endure. But notice, do the work of an evangelist. Now, Timothy was called as a pastor, but all of us have the work of an evangelist. What's that? Leading people to Jesus. Leading people to Jesus. So the evangelist will lead people to Jesus. But his work is to equip you to lead people to Jesus and the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher. In other words, I'm here to feed you the word of God, to grow you, to nurture you, to mature you. Trust God. These are his promises. You can believe for healing. You can believe for provision. Believe him for protection. These are all necessary. But it's time also to grow up. Grow up and become The mature believer, who is that? Where I recognize it's no longer I who live. It is Christ who lives in me. And I'm not here for my purpose. I'm here for His purpose. Him first. His kingdom first. And His priority are the people that are scattered without a shepherd. Let's get out into the fields, family. As you walk out this door, you are entering your mission field every one of us. Everybody you encounter is somebody you need to be looking at as a lost soul that you're leading to Jesus. Not someone to argue with. Not someone to criticize because they're sinning. Sinners, no, no, even though they sin, they don't, even if they admit to it, it's not, so what? No. We need to let them know the love of God. Draw them in and lead them to the Lord and then disciple them once they're in. Amen. Amen. Has this blessed you this morning? Come on, let's give our Jesus praise for His Word. Let's stand together. Place your hand on your heart and say, Today I've heard the Word of God. That Word brought faith to my heart. And I am a believer, not a doubter. As a hearer of Your Word, I'm also a doer. From this day on, I live to serve you, to worship you. And I know one day, as I walk in these things, I'll stand before you and you will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And Father, I recognize to fulfill that call, I take the commission of our Lord Jesus to go and make disciples. From this day on, I make that my priority. Everything I do is to serve you to worship you, to honor you in this call. I put aside all the distractions of property, businesses, family. My priority is your kingdom. And I know in this, I know you'll provide those things. My family is sound. It is secure. I have a strong marriage, strong family. And I know it's because we are serving you and your kingdom. And I thank you as I do these things. I have nothing else to worry about in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus praise and thanks for his word.